Well, I'm going to teach you on seeds, seed time and harvest. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Is a real compelling thing. It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Everybody say seed time and harvest. This is right up front at the beginning and in the inception of everything. Genesis is the, beginning, the book of beginnings. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as early as verse 11 of Genesis, God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yielding seed. Everybody say seed. I'm fascinated by seeds. And um, this verse about seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, they shall never cease. So there's sunrise, sunset, there's seed time and harvest, there's winter and summer, and there's cycles and stages and seasons. So this verse gets us in touch with the whole layout of God. A seed perpetuates life. It perpetuates itself. Seeds contain the DNA and the, the germ, the essence for the possibility of multiplication. Amazing. God didn't design this just to be one off and then it's gone. It keeps going and going and going and going. And I, I feel like Luke chapter 6, verse 44 says, every tree is known by its fruit. So it's interesting to know that 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. So incorruptible seed is assuring and it's deep. You know, I never bought into religious modes when I was a child. It wasn't modeled in my household. And then it wasn't until I ran into a genuine seed-bearing, wide-awake series of believers that the lights really went on and God used them to furnish proof. They were witnesses of God. They, they had experienced God in life and it impacted me. And so that's my aspiration for our church is that we be that body of people where we're day in and day out living this thing. We're serious. We're, we're contagious, you know, but with, with good ingredients, you know. If you look at the book of uh, Mark, chapter 4, the very beginning, and all throughout verse 26, Jesus uses this point and bears down on how the sower sows the word. I would say I am a product of a sower sowing the word into my life and the seed being so powerful that it, when planted, it germinated and it grew, and I'm really thrilled about that. So when I was out in the parking lot and over in the corner and I was praying for you guys for church, I was praying as I watched you drive in, I just began to, I prayed for each and every one of you that, you know, God would really fill your heart tonight and you would be, that the life-giving, life-changing word of God would get down on the inside of you, renew your mind, transform you, you know, build amazing faith in your life, where you could move mountains. You could overcome the stuff that's tried to weird you out, tried to contain you, tried to limit you, tried to hinder you and inhibit you, that God would come in tonight and furnish something that would just bust you loose into a new level. Is that okay? So uh, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. Earlier, Jesus said the sower sows the word. Chapter 4, verse 14. The sower sows the word. Words are powerful. Words are seeds. 
I heard somebody say this, you know, uh, this is a seed for thought. And um, the Word of God is designed to transform our thinking. And I've got an explosive portion of Scripture. Do you want to hear it? Come back next week and I'll read it to you. <laughs> no, it's, it's white hot. I want to go to the book of James now. I've laid the foundation. And uh, usually I spend a lot more time on the introduction. But I'm just going right to it. So here's what I'm talking about tonight. What am I talking about? Seeds. What am I paralleling with seeds? The word of God. Now, if we go to the book of James, it talks about seeds and then it also talks about in such an interesting way. James chapter 1 verse, I'm going to start with 12 and I'm going to read a portion of the scripture. Do you mind if I read a few sentences in the Bible? Is it okay if I read God's word to you? I believe this is going to help you. So, so or so is the word. I thought about English language and how phonetic it is. So, S-O, so, S-E-W, so, S-O-W, so, so, so. I'm not talking about sewing where you stitch your jeans. I'm talking about sowing seed. And as I preach, I'm convinced that that's going to be happening into your heart. As I said in Mark chapter 4, the word goes into uh, hearts. And we, we don't want to be stony ground, do we? We don't want to have hard hearts, do we? So we till up our hearts. Like Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 says, break up the fallow ground, for he's about ready to rain righteousness on you. I think... When we sing a song like, I want more of you, theologically, we can't really get any more of God than he's already poured out. He's omnipresent, omniscient. But I think what it means for us as human beings is, God, we don't want to limit you. We don't want you to be partial in our lives. So it's theologically okay to pray that kind of, sing that kind of song and pray that kind of prayer. But yet, he's the fullness that fills all in all. So... Uh, here we go, James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. It says, every good thing bestowed or given and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. He's constant, he's consistent, he's full on all the time. In the words of Reinhard Bonnke, it's always high noon with God. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Who's grateful for that? Thank you, God, for that your will was to bring us forth by your word of truth. What a blessing. What a blessing. Thank God for that. Thank God that God shows the pattern about sin and temptation. It's really, and God doesn't tempt us with evil. Things germinate in our lives if we allow it. That's why we need to Ask God to deliver us from temptation, deliver us from the tempter. We know that he provides a way of escape with every temptation. We should trust him to help us to take that way of escape. And he would help us with our holiness. He would help us with our perseverance. He would help us to lead a godly life and make good decisions. 
He helps us when we teeter. He nudges us right back. He desires for us to thrive in life. Jesus came to give life and that much more abundantly. A thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, disrupt, hinder, create bondages. Jesus came to set the captives free. It's such good news, man. <laughs> in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. We would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, say that, quick to hear, say this, slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, or the, the NIV says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And then it says, and humbly accept the word planted in you. This is the verse I want you to pay particular attention to. Verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all the filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, pull the weeds out of the garden, get rid of bad attitudes, crucify sin patterns, uh, be quick to repent, humble yourself, and receive. It says, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. This I want to underscore, the word implanted is able to save our souls. This is another wording by James of what Paul said in Romans, where we get our minds renewed. The saving of our soul is a renewing of our mind. He's already talked about being brought forth by the word of truth. So what this is talking about then is the ongoing constancy of you and me not being conformed to this world any longer, but being renewed in the spirit of our mind. And that's why I love hearing the word, listening to good preaching, good teaching. But I love this verse. Pay particular attention to verse 21. Laying aside filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, which is what we have to do every day, mortify our flesh, humble ourselves. With humility, with meekness, receive the word implanted. Uh, the King James says engrafted. This really... One day in, in early days of my Bible study, that really piqued my interest because, as I've shared with you, our dad was a white-collar aerospace businessman for 42 years, had an office desk job, but he loved the outdoors. He was born in Texas. When he was a child, he had cancer. He had spent most of his childhood and teenage years in the hospital. He had over 18 surgeries, scars all up and down his body. So when he got out of that, he just really had a craving for life. And uh, he loved the outdoors, so he uh, would go out and he, would, he just had a green thumb and he loved to cultivate the soil and plant plants and trim trees and so forth. You've heard uh, our childhood trauma and how much <laughs> we uh, did not enjoy having to do that with him. We did in our early days. When we were a little bitty, it was really great, but when we became oh, maybe 12 or so, and then Stingray bikes came, and then we discovered girls and so forth. We didn't want to stay in the yard pulling weeds and stuff. We wanted to run around with our friends. But my dad had a green thumb. He grew bonsai trees, and uh, for real. He would get trees, and he would cultivate them. He would tell me, you know, this is a certain type of juniper or a certain type of pine, and he said, it's, this is 25 or 30 years old. 
He said, if I had let this grow out in nature, it would be probably 60 feet tall now. So, but I've dwarfed it, and it, this is a culture that something, what they did with the bonsai trees is they wanted them to look gnarly and weathered and look as just like they would have looked in a bigger format, and they would take them into their lives, and they would be soothing to them in their particular culture because it would, re, it would remind them of things like perseverance and going through seasons and so he would get copper wires and he would stretch, he would bend these branches and things. But one of the most fascinating things, and I've shared this before, but it's so deep, it has such an imprint on me in light of this verse, in light of seeds, in light of change that can happen in our lives. I'm gonna tell you two examples really quick. One day I was in the house and he was taking a little knife, an exacto knife, and he was cutting into the base of the trunk of one of these little bonsai trees. And he had cut branches from another tree and he went to the gardening store and he bought a pack, a little box of a powdered tree hormone. I didn't even know this stuff existed. And he had all these little deals going and he was, he was just really working and laboring on this little tree. And I said, well, what's the matter? He said, well, it doesn't look like I want it to look. I had envisioned that this would be a, there would be a branch here and there's no branch here, no possibility of it sprouting. So I'm going to graft a branch into this tree. This was a revelation to me as a child. And for about three seconds, he got my attention. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? And he said, let me show you. This branch right here, I'm gonna cut it a certain way. And he was reading it out of a, he had a book he was reading out of. And he said, I'm going to put this hormone on here, and then I'm going to, where it's severed, I've cut it just past the bark into the, the sapwood, and I'm going to stick it right in here just to the certain place. And now I've got this green tape, and I'm going to tape it up, and I'm going to take good care of it, and, and it's going to take on this branch, and it's going to be a graft to the tree. And sure enough, it happened. So then you fast forward a few years later, and... Steve, one of our worship leaders in the youth days, met a girl named Leisha, whose father was a farmer in Brewster, Washington. He had an orchard of apple trees, and they were all in rows, you know, like you would think. And he was a, you know, real farmer guy. So when I got up there, you know, I keyed into what he was doing, and I, I walked out there to introduce him. I was going to go and perform the wedding for his new son-in-law and his daughter and so forth. So I was breaking the ice a little bit. And he was out in his field, and he had rows and rows of, I'm pretty sure they were red delicious species of apples. They had grown for a while, so the, the trunks were pretty big, and it was a really pretty immaculate farm. You could tell the guy just worked super hard, worked super smart, and in order to really ensure that he was going to have a crop, he was diligent about what he was doing. But this was back when the Fuji apple trees came out and were like the new and improved species of apple. So I talked to him about this, and he had had boxes that he bought from Japan, and he paid dearly for these branches, and he was doing this grafting. So I, I was, like I am right now, excited about impressing him with my knowledge because I had just enough knowledge to be dangerous, you know. So I, and he looked at me a few times like, okay, you know. He, he put up with my attempt to connect with it. 
But he said, yeah, I, you know, what's happened is this apple is now new in the market. And he named off about three things. He says they, they're more crisp and less mealy than these apples. They last longer unrefrigerated. And he said they're, they're sweeter. And this is the trend. So I went and I bought these Fuji graphs. And I paid this X number of dollars for it. I said, whoa. And he said, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to graph these in. So I, I couldn't wrap my head around this. This is where the analogy broke because a bonsai isn't a fruit-bearing, you know, it, it's, just a, it's just an evergreen. In that case, it was just a little evergreen tree. So he said something amazing to me. He said, I've cut back these trees to a certain place. I'm going to bring these Fuji apple branches, and I'm going to graft these in. And he just had a huge job. He was just laboring out there by himself, actually. And uh, he was doing the same thing that my dad did, only on a larger scale. And then he said, these grafts are going to go into this tree. They're going to meld in with the, and incorporate with this trunk. They're going to draw the, the moisture from the roots, and the leaves are going to start to flourish, and then, then they're going to bear Fuji apples. And I was like, what? How can you take a red delicious species, cut back the branches, stick new branches on, graft these branches in, and then they start producing Fuji apples. He just said, that's just what happens. And so it was like, okay. And I, I got into the phenomenon of it. And I hope you can get into the phenomenon of this tonight. Because what Jesus is saying here about how seeds produce after themselves, and then you flip over to this example of receiving with meekness or with humility the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. By us receiving this implanted word, Dare we believe it will produce change? Dare we believe that it can actually pull us out of fear and bring us into a place of faith? Dare we believe it can bring healing to the dysfunction of the marring of maybe past abuses or hurts or bring us past our own personal failures and disappointments and push the reset button and give us a fresh start? I think about those apple trees. Now they're producing Fuji apples, and I'm sure that they must, they must be flourishing because it was in the hands of a good farmer and it was, there, there was a competent system of things. I got a FaceTime call from some uh, of my Jewish friends. I have a lot of Jewish friends. I'm, like you guys, indebted to the Jewish people because salvation has come through the Jews. An interesting and wonderful people. And the scripture says something amazing and we don't have time to turn to it, but basically... They're the original plant. In the Gentile world, we're like a bunch of rogue cactus pads. And there's this beautiful olive tree, the Jewish people, and then there's this rogue batch of non-Jews, the Gentiles. And God says, look, you guys, I'm letting you get grafted in. So the kingdom of God is like this beautiful olive tree with cactus pads sticking out of it. And that's us, Right? Come on, that's awesome. That's a good example. So I saw the bonsai take on that branch, and I'm telling you, for the, my youth, I would look at that thing and think, that wasn't there, now it's there. And then in the case of Alicia's dad, he made a mid-course correction, and it changed the type of fruit that was being produced out of his orchard. And what James is saying is, lay aside all this other stuff, let God trim the branches back. Let him engraft his word in you, and he'll cause a greater and a different dimension 
sweeter, crisper, and lasts longer out of the refrigerator. Receive with humility the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Even tonight, the activity of preaching and receiving and sowing and reaping and coming with a hearing of faith. Receiving with humility the engrafted word doesn't mean we're gullible, doesn't mean we're pushovers, doesn't mean we just shut off our brains, doesn't mean we kind of walk through life and just let anybody just throw anything at us. We're to be very discerning, we're to be very sharp, we're not to pick up anything that just comes in, we're to test the spirits. In fact, Jesus even said, be careful, in the context of Mark chapter 4, be careful to what you listen to. So we've got to develop a yearning for the sincere milk of the word, the pure word of God, and trust the Holy Spirit, our teacher, to bring refinement to us, to keep our doctrine sound, our theology on course, help us to rightly divide and, and handle accurately the word of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? But receiving it with humility takes some humility. We have to humble ourselves and say, okay, God, I'm going to acknowledge that this book is not just great literature. I acknowledge that because internally you said that it's God-breathed and is profitable and that all Scripture is inspired by God, I accept that. I accept, first of all, that there is a God because your word reveals that there is a God. Creation declares the glory of God. Okay, I'm pushing past all this nebulousness. I believe. He that comes to God must believe that he is. So say, I believe. And that he's a rewarder of those who seek him is something we should always factor in. Like, for example, that farmer, Leisha's dad up there in Brewster, Washington, was working so hard. It was right before his daughter's wedding. And I know what I know about branches. When those branches were cut off, they were starting to wilt, and he had to act quickly. He put all this investment in it, and I guess the shipment came inconsiderate of the fact that his daughter was going to have a wedding and he was going to be the, the, given the bride away as the father of the bride. The, the branches were saying, yeah, I know you're the father of the bride, but you just paid whatever, $45,000 or whatever he paid for these boxes of branches. He said, you better get these in here now. So he was. And that's why I think he was a little cranky now that I think of it. That's why I think he was like city slicker who doesn't know anything about farming and is a preacher trying to pick up sermon material for the rest of your life? Could you just let me work, please, you know? So I've been in meetings where I felt God working and engrafting things into my worldview, into the way I think, into my emotions, into my rationale, into my thought processes, into my decision-making, and to help me cast down imaginations and bring hope in the midst of trial. It started out in verse 12, Blessed is the man, woman, or child who perseveres under trial. For once he or she has been approved, they will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I would just say as a side note, that fits your description. You've been through a thing or two, and uh, the Lord is preparing you for additional things. He's preparing you for fruitfulness. Say, God, why, what's that motor sound? It's a chainsaw. It's God's chainsaw. What's he doing? He's clipping off branches. Wait a minute. In fact, I will tell you this. Leisha's dad, the farmer, had cut those trees back to where they looked like fat lollipops. And then I was, it was like it bordered on, that looks like it's going to kill those trees. But he knew 
to take it to a certain level. He knew to get rid of all these branches in order to, to graft this in. So here we are, day in, day out, week in, week out, in our life, receiving with meekness the engrafted word, studying to show ourselves approved of God, allowing the sower, Jesus, to continue to sow and download his word into our hearts. And I'll continue. In verse 21, it says, with humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who has spiritual amnesia. He looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he looks away and has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Peter talked about the forgetfulness of the purification of our former sins. Then the accuser comes in and makes us sin conscious and gets us in bondage. So we need to go back and go, wait a minute, when, you, when you're in Christ, you become a new creation. I am born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And that as I turn and I look into the word of God, I am being renewed, I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18 says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. And that's a wonderful thing. That has me coming to meetings. That has me listening to podcasts. That has me revisiting sermons I've, I haven't heard for years from people who have since passed. I was listening to Jay Vernon McGee the other day on the radio. And his, his unique inflections in his voice, I just think, I remember he said, well, we're going to go through the entire Bible and it's going to take so many years. And he did. He just plowed along, you know. And I visited some things. Uh, my family, my kids, we read a book together this week. We had a book study together, and we took turns reading the pages. And I was just struck with how it was bringing renewal and, and refreshing to my thinking. And I was being stirred up by way of a reminder. This is what the possibility is. Like, I think about that farmer. He had those rows and rows of trees that served him well, that the fruit was really great, but these graphs were going to make things better so here we are motoring through life and at any given moment the vine dresser our heavenly father who is so skilled at this stuff can introduce something into our lives that can create a new dimension of fruit bearing a new dimension of impact like we've never even imagined so there's some new things that can happen to us starting right now and I know that in, in a night like this, you know, we set time aside for the word. And even those of you, you come just because you're just faithful and just out of duty. You're always going to be able to glean something when the word of God is proclaimed. And even if you're busy and your mind is just on all kinds of stuff, you dial it in for three seconds. And that's why I, as a preacher, I decided I'm just going to preach the word. That's where the goods are, Right? Everything else is to get us to go into, I can now receive the word. The sower sows the word. So Jesus would say to farmers, this and that about the sun and the birds of the air and so forth. And they would go, and they would get it. And then he'd download a, a deep supernatural truth. And that's what God's doing. That's why there would be illustrations and those kinds of things. And that's why seeds makes sense to me. Pastor Willie George has a conference called Seeds at Church on the Move in Tulsa. And uh, I like it because he's seeding people with uh, 
ideas to, in that case, the purpose of that conference is to make uh, churches go into a new level of fruitfulness. And I appreciate that. Businesses do that. They'll have conferences and things. So they try to, for a sales conference, they'll, they'll get somebody who's really motivational and, you know, refreshes people's thinking about those processes for sales, things like that. But for the word, this is eternal. It renews our mind. It will save our souls. And we go back and we turn our eyes back on the mirror and we look into the mirror and then we quit being forgetful hearers and we become effectual doers. So verse 24 says, once he's looked away, he's forgotten what kind of person he is. I want you guys to know who you are in Christ. I want you to know what you have because of him. I want you to have expectancy that you're going to bear much fruit. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, verse 25, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Now, you got, I got your attention on you'll be blessed in what you do. How are we blessed? When we are effectual doers and we study to show ourselves approved to God, we take hold of these things, it does deepen our potential for impact. And what we, you know, we start getting tired and, I mean, a night service. You know, you've had a long week. Some of you worked so hard. Before I came here, I just was so aware of my physical body, how tired I was. And I got up and I came and then I stand up and I trust God and he, he comes and he helps me. So my testimony is God is the strength of my life. My testimony is that his anointing is available to us. It abides in us. Can I just dare say you have an anointing in your life? What is an anointing? Sounds like church talk for spirit-filled Christians, and it's like flame-throwing, and it kind of is. But it, it actually means enablement and empowerment from God on the seed level, and that as we keep our hearts tender, it's liable to bust out in, in massive honking Texas-sized fruit. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. One day in the presence of the Lord is better than a thousand without. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And we need to remind our face of what has happened in our heart. A merry heart does, makes a cheerful face. Verse 25, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, is a doer of it. Doesn't become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This person will be blessed in what he does. Seeds have been sown tonight. Some branches have been grafted in. The word has just come into your heart. The conclusion I want to give you, the word engrafted is only found one time in the Bible. It's the Greek word emphutos, emphutos. But the root is phuo, and phuo does occur in a number of scriptures. It's found in Luke chapter 8 where seed goes in good ground and then it springs up to bear a hundredfold fruit. It's the same word for springing up. Implanting and engrafting the word, it germinates, it grows, and it springs up. It germinates, it grows, and it springs up. But then on the other hand, there's a negative application to this in Hebrews 12, 15, where it says to beware and to watch out that a root of bitterness springing up would cause trouble. Look what it says here. See to it that none of you, no one comes short of the grace of God. And then it says, 
that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many will be defiled. Can you handle one more revelation before you go? You ever notice when you are hurt by someone or you've had a conversation and you drive away and you get a surge in you of what you wish you had said and thank God you didn't and thank God you got away and God got you in the car and got you out of there? Listen, do you remember how it kind of flared up in you? That's getting in the flesh. That's a tangible occurrence that like a root of bitterness springs up. You could see it on people. They could get enraged. Riot breaks out because of this kind of thing. People get ugly fast. On the other hand, the positive side, let's get back to the positive. If a root of bitterness can spring up and cause trouble and by it many can be defiled, and then the word engrafted can spring up and we could bear fruit a 30, 60, and 100 fold in this life, then that's that surge of the Holy Spirit. When we sow to the Spirit, we reap life everlasting. And it springs up, spring up, oh well, within my soul. Can you handle this? Are you grasping what I'm saying? So the reason I'm preaching to you is because your heart is soil. And every one of us can have roots of bitterness springing up because we've been, I mean, who hasn't been victimized, who hasn't been disappointed, who hasn't been underappreciated, who hasn't been ignored, who hasn't been hurt in life. Jesus even said it's inevitable that offenses will come. So let's just be real about it. But yet, the writer of Hebrews said, see to it, don't fall short of the grace of God because God's grace is all over us to get over it. Everybody say, get over it. Forgetting those things which lie behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. It's easy to brood on this stuff and you could stay stuck. And yet, we're going to forget all that. And in as real a sense as the farmer cutting down all those branches in order to graft in a different, sweeter, better fruit, Today marks a day where we are receiving with meekness the engrafted word. I talked to Pastor Ron Tucker when I was a young person, before I was married. We talked about Galatians 6, sowing to the flesh, you reap decay. Sowing to the spirit, you reap life everlasting. And I said, if you sow to the flesh and you fail, is there some sort of amount of sowing to the spirit that counterbalances sowing to the flesh? He said, I don't think so. He said, God's grace is so infinitely, so much greater than our sin and failure that he basically said just one seed. While he was driving the car, he was going to preach somewhere and I was supporting him. He said, one word from God can just change the whole tone of a thing. And then we started shouting and getting excited while we were, I think we're driving to Illinois somewhere. And I believe that. You can plant a sequoia redwood acorn or seed or whatever, And it'll grow and grow and grow. And it'll get bigger and bigger. It'll outgrow all the little shrubs. I heard this and I'll close. On average, people that are positive live about 10 years longer than negative people. And one one of the things this guy said when, and I don't know how to verify that quote, but it sounded good for this message. So one of the things I thought was funny was one of the greatest joys of life is outlasting all the negative people around you and they just all die off. I kind of like that honorary pastor. So put your hand on your heart and say, I receive with humility the engrafted word which saves my soul, renews my mind, steadies my course, and produces greater fruit. Now, you ready for this one? Want to do a little weeding? Like it said there, we lay aside... Therefore, get rid of all moral filth, toxicity. 
King James says superfluity of naughtiness. I love it. And all that remains of wickedness. Have you ever had any superfluities crowd into your garden? I have. Thank God for his mercy. His mercies are new every morning and his grace is sufficient. We're not going to fall short of the grace of God. We're going to embrace it. And uh, see to it that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. 